big warm audio welcome to you from the kitchen table of Jonathan Green, one of the world's great lexicographers. I'm sat here uh, with the good man in historic Clerkenwell because over the next 20 minutes or so we'll be wandering through the lexicographical undergrowth. As you can see, we've been at the grappa. Jonathan, hello. Good evening. Good afternoon. You forgot morning. <laughs> I forgot exactly. I was <laughs> going to get there. Uh, we'll be trying to find some low-hanging and probably quite a ripe fruit, linguistically speaking. And it goes without saying that um, some of the language might be um, very, very strong. And if you're easily offended, uh, it's probably best that you stop listening now. You just couldn't stop listening, could you? Given that we're approaching All Hallows' Eve, this week we're going to be looking at words associated with all that surrounds Halloween, ghouls, ghosts and the like. Um, Every week on the show we're also aiming to look at one of Jonathan's esteemed, or not so esteemed, predecessors in the world of slang, notation, collection or lexicography. It's funny, even talking about words and about slang and lexicographers, you do have to become that bloke off the good old days, that TV show that tied himself in knots to show his uh, verbosity and um, so-called eloquence. I'm not so Anyway, sure start speaking, I'm done. Yes. <laughs> Let's get us into um, Halloween and the, the associated ephemera. Problem with slang, and it, it is, I fear, going to be, on, on a pure Halloween front, very ephemeral, because slang doesn't really do abstract. And you can't get more abstract than a ghost. And, and, and so slang likes concrete things, like things you can't put your hand through, whatever it might be. I mean, it uses the word ghost. A ghost um, is obviously somebody who writes books for somebody else. I mean, not exactly exciting stuff, not slang at its finest. Um, it's a fictitious name created for fraudulent purposes. It's the, the one I like, actually, is, is an old Australian one. It's a creditor. It's someone you owe money. Why? Because he gives you an unpleasant shock. <laughs> you're allowed to laugh. If you're Australian, you'd laugh. Anyway, um, it's also a white person if you're a black person. And if you're somebody who is relatively conventional, it's someone who isn't. But none of those are really very exciting. Probably the most interesting and the most modern. There's two, there's two relatively modern ones. One is using it as a verb, and, and it's to shift prisoners late at night on what's called the ghost train, or that may be a bus, from one prison to another. They, you know, if it's some rowdy guy, if, it, if it's somebody who's been causing trouble, it's somebody people don't like, maybe it's someone on Rule 43, whatever it might be, or the equivalent in America. Four in the morning, they open up their cells, they roll up, as, they, as the slang has it, and they, they, they go, and they vanish. And it's as if they vanished like a ghost on the ghost train, dumped off in the next prison. And the other thing, apparently, is, is, this, is, is the most recent. It's nice and digital. It's to use, well, basically to stop a relationship by stopping all your media contacts, all your ele- electronic and digital contacts with the former loved one, and you ghost them. You become a ghost? They become a ghost, you ghost them. But that's it. I mean, there isn't really much. So what I thought I'd look at... Can I throw in just a, a little please one? Please do, you may have more. Occurred to me. <laughs> no, no, I used to be a carpenter and furniture fitter, and we would often go into the city of London, um, and so as not interrupt the commerce of the day we'd kind of rearrange offices and do building from kind of 8am to uh, sorry from 8pm to 8am and then disappear and that was known as doing a ghoster oh 
I live and learn. Of course, that's jargon. I wouldn't know that. I couldn't possibly know that. It's professional slang and quite beyond my <laughs> abilities. Um, I've learned to sidestep as the years have gone by. Um, so what, what's, what's the slang for a slang lexicographer? Have you come across anything? Drudge. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Never. you were saying... If ever a man were not a drudge, it was Dr. Johnson, but we will pass on that. No, I was thinking what we could, do, what we could talk about, what I have, what slang does like is a good monster. Mm. And my favourite, well, there are lots of monsters. There's Australia's bunyip. There's the cockatrice, which is a hybrid with a head and wings and feet of a cock, terminating in a serpent with a barbed tail. And it was able, apparently, to kill you with a glance. So what does slang use cockatrice for? A prostitute. Usual. The thing about slang is that sexism simply does not enter the equation. You might have noticed. Lovely. Um, there are various words for a dragon, which, again, is a prostitute. Um, it's slang is, it's, it gets embarrassing after a while, but we'll just have to live with that. It's um, heroin. You chase it. It's to drain the dragon. It's to urinate, of course. A, a dragon itself can be a large member. Um, a dragon upon St. George is sex with the woman on top. And you have to go back to famous pictures of St. George versus the dragon, or apparently you do. I don't see how they fit that particular image, but apparently they do. Elephant um, and the mice, but that's for another story. That is indeed. Um, then my favourite one is probably, well, there's the harpy, a fabulous monster, rapacious and filthy with a woman's face and body and a bird's wings and claws. Um, another one. Uh, and again, who'd have guessed it's an old woman, but admittedly not selling herself on the streets, but again, it's a woman. Nearly all of these monsters... Are, are aimed at women. They, I don't think... There is one that's really weird, but we'll get to him in a minute. There's the Gormagan. I mean, I would almost give prizes if somebody, without referring to my works, could get, tell you what a Gormagan was, or whether you could tell me what a Gormagan was. I've, I've got a, images of Jason and the Argonauts floating through my mind. Nope. It's not, not kind of Greek historical... It's his, I quote, a monster with... Si it's... it's, a, it's a monster with six eyes, three mouths, four arms, eight legs, five on one side and three on the other, three asses, two tarses, and what the great Francis Gross, my predecessor, calls four stars. In other words, a cunt. And what it is, is... Hang on a minute, where does four stars come from? <laughs> asterisk, 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 oh, asterisk. Oh, that's better. Is yes, what it is. And what it I thought you'd vejazzled your slang or something. And what it is, what this thing with its tarses and four stars and mouths and so on, is a man on horseback with a woman riding side saddle behind him. Try that one, your friends who like riddles. But the one that I actually find most interesting, it's probably the only one that refers to a man, is a Modoc. M-O-D-O-C-K. Sounds like something out of Flash Gordon or, or some kind of rather old-fashioned mm. superhero, I would have thought. A Modoc. And it's defined in the Wonder Book of the Air of 1936 as a flashy chap who goes around wearing helmet and goggles and more than likely riding boot, leather boots and riding breeches and talking about the big things he's going to do for aviation. Now, <laughs> oh, you when, tell when, me... When, when, I, you I, love, wouldn't you love to live in a time where there's guys walking around talking well, about great things they were going to do for aviation? You can see him, can't you, Fabulous. with his jodhpurs, almost certainly jodhpurs. And... Apparently, the Modoc is a mythical bird which flies backwards to keep the sun out of its eyes, but I don't think this is the etymology. But nonetheless, where does this... I mean, Modoc, I have searched. I have searched. 
And it is not in any newspaper, in any record, in anything. It pops out of somewhere into this wonder book of the air. Probably the boys' wonder book of the air. But other than that, the monsters on the whole, as I say, they're not very Halloween-like. But they are, and they tend to be sexist. They're not particularly pleasant. Um, but what they do lead us to, and I mean, there are one or two others. I think, I suppose, is that anything to do with the fact that you know Halloween witches and stuff, and that being bewitched, that, that thing is always ascribed to, to women, uh, females rather than males? Whether slang actually thinks that far, I don't know. No, no, but I'm just but, saying if, people, if, if that's the mindset of the society. Yeah, I think, I think, well, I think that's true. I think that's true. But I think it's much more about this problem that slang has of dealing with anything that's abstract, literally or figuratively abstract. And Gosa, I mean, again, you've got the Scolopendra, which is a fabulous sea fish, which I'm afraid is going to be a prostitute, so we'll cut to the chase. But oh. it's described as a fabulous sea fish, which, feeling himself taken with a hook, casteth out his bowels until he hath unloose the hook and then swalloweth them up again. Not what sentence I would have chosen to come out with. But um, it's again, it's an attack on some hapless woman. What else have we got? Oh, no, there, of course, the, the monster we all love, the two-backed beast, which gets us back to St. George and the dragon. But Is that it from, all... from Othello? I would imagine it is. I think it's... Yes, it, 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 no, it is. The first sight, first use, 1604. But... Rabelais, who's about 50 years before, I think, before Shakespeare, um, has it faire la bête à deux dos, to make the beast of two backs. So it's, it was obviously an image that was fluttering around in the last half of the 16th, early, early, early decade of the 17th century. I've just remembered uh, my father-in-law on, the, on our first meeting after a very busy dinner um, describing uh, not the beast with two backs, but um, the, the phrase for solo activity um, he described it as uh, galloping the maggot. Galloping the maggot. One of two and a half thousand phrases of this type. Amazing. Well, I mean, slang is man-made, as we know, very male-orientated, male obsessions, male practices. This all takes us to... I won't, he's, he's not a hero of slang in perhaps the way you describe them as my predecessors. He's certainly my predecessor because he's about getting on for 200 years ago. He flourished. And, and the word that brings us to him... In fact, there are two here... There's the Wang Doodle, ah. and that comes in. There is also the, there are various. There's the Snolly Goster, but above all, there is half the concept of being half horse, half alligator, and this gives me the opportunity. This is a man called Mike Fink, who I mentioned earlier. Mike Fink had a sort of what the French would call a mouvementé existence. In other words, it was exciting. It usually involved Mike saying to people, because Mike was a large man and had big, bigger guns, stand over there, put this whiskey bottle on, on your head, and whether you like it or not, I'll shoot it off. In many cases, Mike failed to shoot it off. Um, he lived in a cave by the side of the river with a, with a number of teenage boys. Um, Much he, like yourself. His cher ami, as they were known. But basically what he liked to do was kill, kill animals and indeed sometimes kill people. And he has when I can re-find it, a self-description. Bear with me. And this is how he describes it. He gets it. it all out of his head, you know, folks. <laughs> I do. Well, if you could remember this, apparently, he, apparently while he, when he just shot a whiskey bottle or a head, mm. he would announce that we really need a sort of Donald Trump knuckle-dragging deplorable supporter to read this. I can't do it. I'm a Salt River roarer. I'm a ring-tailed squealer. I'm a regular screamer from the old Mississippi. Whoop! 
I am the very infant that refuses milk before its eyes were opened and call out for a bottle of old rye. I love the women and I'm chock full of fight. I'm half wild horse and half cockeyed alligator and the rest of me is crooked snags and red hot snapping turtle. I can outrun, outjump, outshoot, outbrag, outdrink, outfight, rough and tumble, no holds barred, any man on both sides of the river from Pittsburgh to Orleans and back again to St. Louis. Come on, you flatters, you barges, you milk-white mechanics, and see how tough I am to chore. I ain't had a fight in two days, and I'm spiling for exercise. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what else to say about Mr. Mike Fink. No. He eventually was killed. I mean, people just got fed up with him and went down and, and, and <laughs> just blew his head off. <laughs> but then Disney got him, and he becomes a very, very different figure. Oh, does he? No, no catamites in the cave for a start, and so on. What, he, what, what did he become in I Disney? Don't know, I've never seen a, such a film, but I, I know that did, there is a Mike. For, he, he appears as the you know probably the genial river boatman with some boy with a Davy Crockett hat on, and so on. It's that kind of Davy Crockett era. Where does Wang Dang Doodle come in? Where does Wang Dang Doodle? I think that was one of the things that he, he would occasionally call himself as well, but um, not in this particular speech. There's a great um, old kind of uh, blues R&B song. Um, yeah, I'm going to shake that Wang Dang Doodle it, all night long. All I can all I can tell you is that it's quotes a mythical beast of uncertain character. I would imagine that the word Wang and the word Doodle will come into it, but I may of course be wrong. Um, there was another one. The ring-tailed snorter. I think that came into his little speech, which can also be a ring-tailed roarer, peeler, squealer, tooter, whizzer, and indeed snorter. Um, Those sound all, all drug-related. None of them. None of them at all. Isn't that well, extraordinary? Drugs don't come into all of this. I mean, the, these are ghosts, you know. The, the Modoc is not, although one wonders about the Modoc with his... No, but it's interesting, though, so that they're sort of appropriated slang for one thing in a different era becomes... Uh, you know something else well that's all i mean you know all that i mean on a, on a really general level i remember as a 60s hippie using phrases that i didn't know to my shame were actually 30s black drug slang we used it as 60s hippie slang but nobody told us i'm sure all the people who religiously tried to imitate the blues musicians like eric clapton and so on knew these things but i didn't yeah your problem was you didn't come from suburban surrey you lacked the patois <laughs> How well you put it. Jonathan, thanks very much. Uh, illuminating and joyous as always. That's about it for this particular podcast. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to visit the new Green's Dictionary of Slang website at greensdictofslang.com where you can find loads more fabulous definitions across hundreds of years. And you can follow Jonathan on Twitter at Mr. Slang. Please do let us know what you thought of the show. And who knows, we might even do some more. I've been Peter Curran with the producer sat over there with all due silence and appropriate disapproval, Mr. Matt Hall. Speak to you soon.